likes to hear the music and this girl's got like natural instincts. She just like moves with it. And I'm like, wow, that's not my kid. I don't know where you came from. Um, but it's been very challenging to me because that's not my kid. My kid would be like, mm, I'll tap my foot. <laughs> but I, I, maybe sing or learn an instrument, but not really this move with the music thing. Uh, and I've, I've seen it, but what's so much fun is it's the cutest thing. You just see the raw, um, untarnished, organic matter, if you will, of a human in a child, right? And you see this excitement. Music excites them. And they're not afraid to do what the body and soul and spirit feel led in this combo of vibrations through the airwaves, moving into their body, what their ear hears. They're not afraid to just go with that. There's this just childish enthusiasm. And then we grow up. <laughs> and we get grumpy. <laughs> And unfortunately, we spend a lot of life actually out of tune, is what happens. We, we're, we're in a sense, somewhere young, they're in tune, and then we kind of get, I see the same thing with young Christians. They seem very in tune with the Spirit's energy and joy and passion, and then we kind of say, well, they'll mature. And we sit back, we're, sometimes you have to poke us to make sure we didn't die at church. Um, but, you know, that's somehow become the mature posture. We sometimes get out of tune. Life throws us out of tune. Now, I don't know how many of you guys play instrumental, uh, musical instruments, but they get out of tune pretty easily, or can. Actually, Richard has this very interesting um, guitar. It's actually made of carbon fiber, so that it doesn't get out of tune. See, a, a, a real guitar, I didn't say a real guitar, maybe I still should. A real guitar is made out of wood. And what happens, the problem with wood though, is that as the AC comes on, or it goes through different temperatures, wood swells and shrinks with different humidities and temperatures, and the strings, guess what, they're moving with the wood, and then they're getting out of tune, and so you're always having to tune them up. Um, we are like that with life, in different circumstances, um, sometimes we're under stress, or sometimes we're uh, getting too enthusiastic about something that maybe we shouldn't be getting enthusiastic about, and we're kind of getting stretched and strained in different ways, and we get out of tune. And that is what happens when people are grumpy, is that they're really out of tune with the joy of God, with the purpose of what we're here for. But primarily, we get out of tune with God's past, present, and future. God has a past. We have a past with him. We have a present, which is right now. So something that happened where you met God or something that's brought you here tonight, there's some sort of experience you've had, whether positive or negative, with God in the past, and that has brought you up to this point tonight, and we have a future with God in which he's given us a very promising future, even in Revelation. But we sometimes get cranky, we get grumpy, or we sin because we get out of tune with this past, present, and future. We might live too much in the future. 
and check out of the reality before us, the suffering humans or the people that need Jesus. Or we might uh, get the present and future attitude and be living just in the past. We might be burdened by guilt or by shame or by some sin or by the golden days of old, the tent days of Calvary Chapel. And you still keep yearning for that and you're out of tune with the present and the future because we're, we're still living back there. Or we're so mired and lost in the darkness of our present and we've lost sight of where we come from and our foundation in Christ and where we're going in the future. You see, in music, chords are the construction of three notes. This is a real easy crash course on music theory for you. In music, you have seven notes, and a chord is made when you take the third, the fifth, uh, let me start over, when you take the first, the third, and the fifth of that scale, you put those together. One, three, and five, that makes a chord. And now you manipulate one, three, and five in certain ways to make different chords. But those three must be together to have a legitimate chord. So when Richard's playing and strumming, there's three notes in that finger construction. Um, when um, Virgie's hitting the keys, there's three notes constructing these chords. Now, uh, you can take one of those and get it way out of tune, right? You can, you, can take, um, you, can, you can take one of those strings and really mess it up. Well, now you no longer have three of two, and it doesn't sound very good, and one is off. That's what happens. We want to be in tune with God's past, with his present, and with his future. So... We're going to look at Israel in Exodus 15, who is just on the other side of the Red Sea. Pastor Mike taught us last week about how they were finally let go by Pharaoh, and they're running from Egypt, and they come to the Red Sea. And it's not something they can necessarily go around. They're pinned in. The Egyptian army is now after them, and they don't know what to do. And God mightily delivers them by sending a wind over the waters, and the waters part. Israel goes through, and then by the time that they're done, Egypt says, after them. And they come in the waters, the waters close back over, and the Egyptians are no more. And God says, they will no more harass you. You are completely freed and delivered from the Egyptians. And you know what happens is in chapter 15, the very next chapter, we read this in verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. So here's where we are. They're delivered from Egypt. We, read, we saw the power of God two weeks ago with the, with the plagues and the signs and the miracles. And Egypt breaks and they let them go. The Moses says, no, I'm going to get them. They're at the Red Sea. And the Israelites go through and then the Egyptian army is drowned. They are completely free from Egypt now. They're not, they haven't just left Egypt, but now the powerhouse that tries to get them back is conquered. And now they're on the other side singing and praising God. We, too, have been released from the prisons of our sins and passions that take us away from God. The darkness, the things that destroy our lives. God has met us and he's delivered us from that. Jesus dies on the cross to break the power of sin and death. And we are now released and we come to our Red Sea. This moment when all of us have experienced, 
you know what? This Christian thing's hard. Things are after me. I thought I would get off clean. And now I'm having these things from my past revisit me. I have guilt and these things are coming up. And I just want liberty. And there's this temptation either to go back to Egypt or to cross to the Red Sea. And then God parts the waters. And in the church, we've always called this baptism. When we go through the waters and come out on the other side, we have made this declaration. It's an initiation where we're saying, I am leaving this shore of sin and slavery in Egypt. And I am now crossing over to this shore, which is going to lead me to the promised land and everything God has for me. Baptism is that moment when we say, no turning back. This is our past. Deliverance, or at least for most of us, tonight can be yours. This can be your present. Not your future. It's tonight. Some of us have been saved and delivered from Egypt. We've been baptized. We're now on the other side. How do we get then to this promised land without wandering lost for 40 years? That's our concern in Exodus. We are Israel. We're going through our deliverance, through our baptism, and now we have this vast journey to get to God's fruitful, abundant life for us. And we need to learn the steps so we don't get lost and spend our whole life wondering, is this all there is? So, we've seen our salvation, we've seen baptism tonight. We look at singing. We look at how Israel launches into verbal, musical worship of God. And that is actually one of the first things they do upon salvation, is they sing. Now, that's why wondered, every single week we come together and we have worship music. But some of us are out of tune with that. We may not even have a past with God or a present or a future. And we sit there and we wonder, could they pick better songs? <laughs> Seriously, the style. I mean, couldn't there be a better style? Some of us. And we do the whole folded arm thing, and we're that rump, we're that grouch. All those people that stand, their hands up. This person over here sings too loud. They're even singing too. But this person, his heart is out of tune. He doesn't understand that the worship is because people are walking with God's past, present, and future. One has to wonder, when it comes to worship and singing, are we participators, are we spectators? Now let me just put this powerfully for you. Here's the Red Sea. Over here, on the other side, are the people singing because they went through something. They participated in something. They're singing. Over here, on the other side... Uh, there's some people dead and a pharaoh without an army and they are not singing and they are not rejoicing nor did they participate in crossing the Red Sea. They didn't quite get there. They just watched. Now, I want, to I want you to imagine that you 
are an Israelite. Like, let's say you're a personally, you're a Christian in here, okay? And you call yourself one. And you are sitting here and you're watching this whole thing play out. Wow, look at these people go. God rescuing them. He's baptized. Look at them celebrate. Wow, ooh, the water closed over the Egyptians. Wow. One time you sit there and watch it. What's wrong with this? You weren't actually in this. So of course you wouldn't get the celebratory singing, the victory, because you don't even have a past with God to speak of, or a present, or a future. You've got nothing. You're completely out of tune. Now, we're not all that out of tune. Some of us just need a little tweaking. So tonight, we want to learn how to sing God's praises in tune with his past, present, and future. So, we continue on and see how the singing goes. So I'm going to read through a lot of it. It's all one song. So let's go ahead in verse 1, Exodus 15. The Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the I Am, Yahweh, the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. That's Egypt and their army thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is the salvation moment. Egypt will never again hold Israel. You and I celebrate a salvation moment if sin is now dealt with and we're totally baptized into Christ, and it will no longer have that. Okay, we're going to mess up still, but there is serious, there's, this, there's this change, there's this power that's come into us, and we are leaving Egypt out there. Yes, God wants to bring Egypt out of you, but you are out of Egypt. Does it make sense? Amen. We're learning to walk, and singing is part of the way we bring Egypt out of us. And so they're singing this full-on celebration of what God has done. Uh, he has become my salvation, continuing verse 2. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a man of war. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host, he, Yahweh, cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. Egypt's finest are anchors. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahweh, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Yahweh, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The flood stood up in a heap, and the deeps congealed in the hearts of the sea. At the blast of his nostril. What would have happened if he swiped his hand across it? That's just... It's hardly more than an exhale. The enemy in verse 9 said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Notice, that's how you used to think until you crossed the Red Sea and were delivered. You used to think, I will do this. I will grab what I want. I will fulfill my desire. I will take this person or take that thing or take this possession. And I'm going to squeeze what I want out of it. And all around us, people live this way. This is what they said in verse 10. 
You, God, blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And now there's this praise, this pause, where they have to say, we saw what happened at the Red Sea. Verse 11, now, who is like you, O Yahweh, among the gods? <laughs> we saw what you did to Egypt's gods in those ten plagues. They were all judged, all shown to be frauds. And now at the Red Sea, the last might of Egypt, their military was judged, meaning it was shown to be nothing compared to Yahweh. So Yahweh, who is like you among the gods? There is not a single god on this planet in any civilization or culture or religion that can compare to your mighty delivering act. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, as his otherness is different than everything else, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. Now, I want you to notice the change. What you've read up to this point was Israel standing on the other side of the Red Sea, reflecting upon their past with God. Hey, this is what God has done. We just saw it. See that helmet over there? And that sandal floating there? And that horse coming out of the water over there? God did that. He saved us. Now they're going to shift their perspective to their present or their future with God. What's God going to do next? This is what he's going to do in verse 13. Now you're going to notice, sorry, one more thing. You're going to notice before we read it, it's in the past tense, actually. But it's something that hasn't happened to them yet. So basically, maybe this part was, this little part of the song was written later, maybe? Or maybe this is the way we need to live. We need to look at God's future and talk about it as if it has happened. If you think about it, that's the way into the future, is to live the future now. It's the way into the future. If you try to get to some glorious future by an act of violence, then the future will be violence. If you try to get to the future through righteous deeds and servanthood, the futurely righteous deeds and servanthood. Actually, Mike Beavers had Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, audio clip for us a little earlier. That's appropriate because he showed us a way to get social justice for people without violent means, right? And that was, it could have turned into a civil war, but it, 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 if they had fought back, right? So anyways, the whole past tense thing is, hey, you want the future? Start practicing it. Okay, so verse 13. I'm looking forward to God's future. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. So that's him taking them through the wilderness. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. That's the promised land they're going to. 14. The peoples have heard. The people in the promised land that they're going to go see. They have heard. They tremble. Pains have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now the of Edom are dismayed. They tr uh, trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. And all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm, Yahweh. They are still as a stone. Till your people, O Yahweh, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. 
He bought them out of Egypt. He purchased them. He's going to take them to this land. And then verse 17. Now, strangely, it's back in future tense. 17. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. That will become Jerusalem. That mountain. God's going to take them out of Egypt through the wilderness and this is what he wants to do with all of us, is plant us on his mountain. He wants us to be rooted and to be growing and to be fruitful. He will, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Yahweh, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Yahweh will reign forever and ever. This is our future. He's going to take us and plant us and dwell with us so that we become the actual sanctuary, the actual temple of Yahweh. And over these people, he will reign forever. So, what we have here is we have a song of victory. An explosion of victory, of rejoicing, of we've done it, not we, God has done it. He's done it for us. Look at that in the past and look at what he's going to take us to in the future. So in the present, we're going to explode with praise and gratitude. It's a victory chant. That's what singing is. It's a victory chant. This, by the way, is the first song in the Bible which shows us right away the proper place of all singing to God, all music really in singing, is to be in response to His salvation. And we say, you have won. We're victorious. Let's shout and sing praise. That's what it means to sing to God. It's a response. This is what you did. Let's shout hallelujah and look forward to what you're going to do in the future. That is being in tune with your past, present, and future. Past. It's a response to him. One of the concerns I have in worship, and I think you share it too, you just may not know how to say it out loud, is that we get in trouble when we don't respond to God in worship. When worship is no longer a response, but worship becomes our efforts to bring him to us. It becomes our efforts to bring his blessing upon us. It becomes our effort to get God to do what we want him to do. And when we get in this mode, when we're, when we're out of tune with our past and responding to what he's done, and we try to make God do stuff, we work up this fervor. We try to work up an experience. We try to work up an emotion and a feeling. And we can get really out of hand to where there are examples of people doing strange things like howling at the moon. Um, there are some things that are fine. Now, so let's do this. So there's a movie, and she would ask to have it played over and over and over and over. And every time it comes on, she's so excited, and she always asks us, dance party, dance party, can we have a dance party? And so she likes to hear the music, and this girl's got, like, natural instincts. She just, like, moves with it. And I'm like, wow, that's not my kid. I don't know where you came from. Um, but it's been very challenging to me because that's not my kid. My kid would be like, mm, 
I'll tap my foot. <laughs> but I, I, maybe sing or learn an instrument, but not really this move with the music thing. But, uh, and I've, I've seen it, but what's so much fun is it's the cutest thing. You just see the raw, um, untarnished, organic matter, if you will, of a human in a child, right? And you see this excitement. Music excites them. And they're not afraid to do what the body and soul and spirit feel led in this combo of vibrations through the airwaves, moving into their body, what their ear hears. They're not afraid to just go with that. There's this just childish enthusiasm. And then we grow up. <laughs> and we get grumpy. <laughs> And unfortunately, we spend a lot of life actually out of tune, is what happens. We, we're, we're in a sense, somewhere young, they're in tune, and then we kind of get, I see the same thing with young Christians. They seem very in tune with the Spirit's energy and joy and passion, and then we kind of say, well, they'll mature. <laughs> and we sit back, we're, sometimes you have to poke us to make sure we didn't die at church. Um, but, you know, that somehow becomes the mature posture. We sometimes get out of tune. Life throws us out of tune. Now, I don't know how many of you guys play instrumental, uh, musical instruments, but they get out of tune pretty easily, or can. Actually, Richard has this very interesting um, guitar. It's actually made of carbon fiber, so that it doesn't get out of tune. See, a, 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 a real guitar, I didn't say a real guitar, maybe I just should. A real guitar is made out of wood. And what happens, the problem with wood though, is that as the AC comes on, or it goes through different temperatures, wood swells and shrinks with different humidities and temperatures, and the strings, guess what, they're moving with the wood, and then they're getting out of tune, and so you're always having to tune them up. Um, we are like that with life, in different circumstances, um, sometimes we're under stress, or sometimes we're uh, getting too enthusiastic about something that maybe we shouldn't be getting enthusiastic about, and we're kind of getting stretched and strained in different ways, and we get out of tune. And that is what happens when people are grumpy, is that they're really out of tune with the joy of God, with the purpose of what we're here for. But primarily, we get out of tune with God's past, present, and future. God has a past. We have a past with Him. We have a present, which is right now. So something that happened where you met God or something that's brought you here tonight, there's some sort of experience you've had, whether positive or negative, with God in the past, and that has brought you up to this point tonight, and we have a future with God in which he's given us a very promising future, even in Revelation. But we sometimes get cranky, we get grumpy, or we sin because we get out of tune with this past, present, and future. We might live too much in the future and check out of the reality before us, the suffering humans or the people that need Jesus. Or we might... Uh, get the present and future attitude and be living just in the past. We might be burdened by guilt or by shame or by some sin or by the golden days of old, the tent days of Calvary Chapel. 
and you still keep yearning for that, and you're out of tune with the present and the future. Because we're, we're still living back there. Or we're so mired and lost in the darkness of our present, and we've lost sight of where we've come from and our foundation in Christ and where we're going in the future. You see, in music, chords are the construction of three notes. This is a real easy crash course on music theory for you. In music, you have seven notes, and a chord is made when you take the third, the fifth, uh, let me start, we're going to take the first, the third, and the fifth of that scale, you put those together, one, three, and five, that makes a chord. And now you manipulate one, three, and five in certain ways to make different chords. But those three must be together to have a legitimate chord. So when Richard's playing and strumming, there's three notes in that finger construction. Um, when um, Virgie's hitting the keys, there's three notes constructing these chords. Now, uh, you can take one of those and get it way out of tune, right? You can, you can take... Um, you can take one of those strings and really mess it up. Well, now you no longer have three of two, and it doesn't sound very good, and one is off. That's what happens. We want to be in tune with God's past, with his present, and with his future. So, we're going to look at Israel in Exodus 15, who is just on the other side of the Red Sea. Pastor Mike taught us last week about how they were finally let go by Pharaoh, and they're running from Egypt, and they come to the Red Sea. And it's not something they can necessarily go around. They're pinned in. The Egyptian army is now after them, and they don't know what to do. And God mightily delivers them by sending a wind over the waters, and the waters part. Israel goes through, and then by the time that they're done, Egypt says, after them. And they come in the waters, the waters close back over, and the Egyptians are no more. And God says, they will no more harass you. You are completely freed and delivered from the Egyptians. And you know what happens is in chapter 15, the very next chapter, we read this in verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. So here's where we are. They're delivered from Egypt. We saw the power of God two weeks ago with the, with the plagues and the signs and the miracles. And Egypt breaks. And they let them go. And Moses says, no, I'm going to get them. They're at the Red Sea. And the Israelites go through. And then the Egyptian army is drowned. They are completely free from Egypt now. They're not, they haven't just left Egypt. But now the powerhouse that tries to get them back is conquered. And now they're on the other side singing and praising God. We, too, have been released from the prisons of our sins and passions that take us away from God. The darkness, the things that destroy our lives. God has met us and he's delivered us from that. Jesus dies on the cross to break the power of sin and death. And we are now released and we come to our Red Sea. This moment when all of us have experienced, you know what? This Christian thing's hard. Things are after me. I thought I would get off clean. And now I'm having these things from my past revisit me. I have guilt and these things are coming up. And I just want liberty. And there's this temptation either to go back to Egypt or to cross to the Red Sea. And then God parts the waters. 
And in the church, we've always called this baptism. When we go through the waters and come out on the other side, we have made this declaration. It's an initiation where we're saying, I am leaving this shore of sin and slavery in Egypt. And I am now crossing over to this shore, which is going to lead me to the promised land and everything God has for me. Baptism is that moment when we say, no turning back. This is our past. Deliverance, or at least for most of us, tonight can be yours. This can be your present. Not your future. It's tonight. Some of us have been saved and delivered from Egypt. We've been baptized. We're now on the other side. How do we get then to this promised land without wandering lost for 40 years? That's our concern in Exodus. We are Israel. We're going through our deliverance through our baptism. And now we have this vast journey to get to God's fruitful, abundant life for us. And we need to learn the steps so we don't get lost and spend our whole life wondering, is this all there is? So, we've seen our salvation, we've seen baptism tonight. We look at singing. We look at how Israel launches into verbal, musical worship of God. And that is actually one of the first things they do upon salvation, is they sing. Now, that's why wondered, every single week we come together and we have worship music. But some of us are out of tune with that. We may not even have a past with God or a present or a future. And we sit there and we wonder, could they pick better songs? <laughs> Seriously, the style. I mean, couldn't there be a better style? Some of us. And we do the whole folded arm thing, and we're that grump, we're that grouch. All those people that stand, their hands up. This person over here sings too loud. They're even singing too. But this person, his heart is out of tune. He doesn't understand that the worship is because people are walking with God's past, present, and future. One has to wonder, when it comes to worship and singing, are we participators or are we spectators? Now let me just put this powerfully for you. Here's the Red Sea. Over here, on the other side, are the people singing because they went through something. They participated in something. They're singing. Over here, on the other side... Uh, there's some people dead and a pharaoh without an army and they are not singing and they are not rejoicing nor did they participate in crossing the Red Sea. They didn't quite get there. They just watched. 
Now, I want, to ima- I want you to imagine that you are an Israelite. Like, let's say you're a personally, you're a Christian in here, okay? And you call yourself one. And you are sitting here and you're watching this whole thing play out. Wow, look at these people go. God rescuing them. He's baptized. Look at them celebrate. Wow, ooh, the water closed over the Egyptians. Wow. What time you sit there and watch it? What's wrong with this? You weren't actually in this. So of course you wouldn't get the celebratory singing, the victory, because you don't even have a past with God to speak of, or a present, or a future. You've got nothing. You're completely out of tune. Now, we're not all that out of tune. Some of us just need a little tweaking. So tonight, we want to learn how to sing God's praises in tune with his past, present, and future. So, we continue on and see how the singing goes. So, I'm going to read through a lot of it. It's all one song. So, let's go ahead in verse 1, Exodus 15. The Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the I Am, Yahweh, the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. That's Egypt and their army thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is the salvation moment. Egypt will never again hold Israel. You and I celebrate a salvation moment if sin is now dealt with and we're totally baptized into Christ and it will no longer have that. Okay, we're going to mess up still, but there is serious, there's, this, there's this change. There's this power that's come into us and we are leaving Egypt out there. Yes, God wants to bring Egypt out of you, but you are out of Egypt. Does it make sense? Amen. We're learning to walk, and singing is part of the way we bring Egypt out of us. And so they're singing this full-on celebration of what God has done. Uh, he has become my salvation, continuing verse 2. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a man of war. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host, he, Yahweh, cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. Egypt's finest are anchors. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahweh, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Yahweh, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. The flood stood up in a heap, and the deeps congealed in the hearts of the sea. At the blast of his nostril. What would have happened if he swiped his hand across it? That's just... (laughs) It's hardly more than an exhale. The enemy in verse 9 said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Notice, that's how you used to think until you crossed the Red Sea and were delivered. You used to think, I will do this. I will grab what I want. I will fulfill my desire. I will take this person or take that thing or take this possession. And I'm going to squeeze what I want out of it. And all around us, people live this way. 
This is what they said in verse 10. You, God, blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And now there's this praise, this pause, where they have to say, we saw what happened at the Red Sea. Verse 11, now, who is like you, O Yahweh, among the gods? <laughs> we saw what you did to Egypt's gods in those ten plagues. They were all judged, all shown to be frauds. And now at the Red Sea, the last might of Egypt, their military was judged, meaning it was shown to be nothing compared to Yahweh. So Yahweh, who is like you among the gods? There is not a single god on this planet in any civilization or culture or religion that can compare to your mighty delivering act. Amen. Who is like you, majestic in holiness? As his otherness is different than everything else. Awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. Now, I want you to notice the change. What you've read up to this point was Israel standing on the other side of the Red Sea, reflecting upon their past with God. Hey, this is what God has done. We just saw it. See that helmet over there? And that sandal floating there? And that horse coming out of the water over there? God did that. He saved us. Now they're going to shift their perspective to their present or their future with God. What's God going to do next? This is what he's going to do in verse 13. Now you're going to notice, sorry, one more thing. You're going to notice before we read it, it's in the past tense, actually. But it's something that hasn't happened to them yet. So basically, maybe this part was, this little part of the song was written later, maybe? Or maybe this is the way we need to live. We need to look at God's future and talk about it as if it has happened. If you think about it, that's the way into the future, is to live the future now. It's the way into the future. If you try to get to some glorious future by an act of violence, then the future will be violence. If you try to get to the future through righteous deeds and servanthood, the future will be righteous deeds and servanthood. Actually, Mike Beavers had Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, audio clip for us a little earlier. That's appropriate because he showed us a way to get social justice for people without violent means, right? And that was, it could have turned into a civil war, but it, 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 if they had fought back, right? So anyways, the whole past tense thing is, hey, you want the future? Start practicing it. Okay, so verse 13. I'm looking forward to God's future. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. So that's him taking them through the wilderness. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. That's the promised land they're going to. 14. The peoples have heard. The people in the promised land that they're going to go see. They have heard. They tremble. Pains have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. The of Edom are dismayed. They tr uh, trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. And all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm, Yahweh. They are still as a stone. 
till your people, O Yahweh, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. He bought them out of Egypt. He purchased them. He's going to take them to this land. And then verse 17. Now, strangely, it's back in future tense. 17. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. That will become Jerusalem. That mountain. God's going to take them out of Egypt through the wilderness and this is what he wants to do with all of us, is plant us on his mountain. He wants us to be rooted and to be growing and to be fruitful. He will, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Yahweh, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Yahweh will reign forever and ever. This is our future. He's going to take us and plant us and dwell with us so that we become the actual sanctuary, the actual temple of Yahweh. And over these people, he will reign forever. So, what we have here is we have a song of victory an explosion of victory, of rejoicing, of we've done it, not we. God has done it. He's done it for us. Look at that in the past and look at what he's going to take us to in the future. So in the present, we're going to explode with praise and gratitude. It's a victory chant. That's what singing is. It's a victory chant. This, by the way, is the first song in the Bible which shows us right away the proper place of all singing to God, all music really in singing, is to be in response to His salvation. And we say, you have won. We're victorious. Let's shout and sing praise. That's what it means to sing to God. It's a response. This is what you did. Let's shout hallelujah and look forward to what you're going to do in the future. That is being in tune with your past, present, and future. 